good morning. Uh, it's been a, a fairly, a fairly long journey, I suppose, uh, going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, and uh, the good thing is that we are seeing the light almost at the end of the tunnel. And I suppose we have another two to three weeks uh, before we uh, complete this important uh, epistle, this important letter from the Apostle Paul, and then we turn our attention to something else. Um, now, the interesting thing about the scriptures is um, the Bible uses various imageries um, to describe the, the walk, the struggle of a believer. Not to describe a believer, but the struggle or the walk of a, a believer. And it uses various pictures or imageries. So the farmer comes to your mind, right? The hardworking farmer. The athlete comes to your mind. Uh, the one who disciplines him or herself, the one who competes within the rules. And of course, the soldier comes to your mind. Now, of all of these imageries uh, that I described, probably it's the imagery of a soldier that is used quite often to describe the believer's struggle with Satan or the evil one. And 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 3 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So the soldier, the imagery of a soldier reminds us of the, the constant struggle, the battle that we have, the spiritual battle that we face. Uh, and in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, and I believe we dealt with that last time, Ephesians 6 verse 12 reminds us that our battle is against principalities, against rulers of the darkness of this age, and against flesh and blood. So demonic, Satan and his demonic forces are particularly dangerous. And that is why the scripture uh, tells us that we must not take Satan and his demons very lightly. And 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 refers to Satan as the roaring lion. Right? The roaring lion. So ever since the fall of man, let me tell you one thing. Ever since the fall of man, Satan has studied, he has analyzed, uh, he has deciphered the nature of man. And he and his demons have been in the business of corruption for so long. Uh, and he knows us. Let me tell this to you. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Right? There is no way we can stand the wiles of Satan unless we are equipped with the armor of God. Now, my wife, uh, Cleon, tells me that, you see, God should have chosen the Chinese, not the Jews. You know, he's chosen Chinese. And I asked her why. Well, she said that God has made Adam and Eve, especially Adam and Eve, as Chinese in the Garden of Eden. I can say that because I'm a Chinese. And if Satan as a serpent came and tempted Eve, there would have been no problem at all. So I asked her why. Well, because Eve would have eaten the snake. That's what she told me. <laughs> all right? All right. So, so if you look at all of these things, you see Satan is such a powerful enemy that we must be equipped with the armor of God. So with that in mind, let us read Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 14 to 17. And Jeff did read one verse from there, but I'll read the four verses. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 14 to 17, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith which you have, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. 
and verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the armor that is spoken of here, the armor that is of consideration here is the Roman armor. Right? And Paul is quite specific. It's very interesting because he's quite specific when assigning the individual pieces of the Roman armor to represent certain spiritual truths or certain spiritual armor. And here in these four verses, Paul describes to us six pieces of armor. Six pieces. The belt or the girdle, the breastplate, the sandal, the shield, the helmet, and the sword. Just six pieces. Now, if you have not seen a Roman armor, if you've not seen these six pieces and how uh, the Roman soldier or the legionnaire puts the armor on, I'd like to show you the video clip. Now, I hope this works. Now, Jono, what I want you to do is to ensure that we show from 1 minute 5 seconds to 6 minutes 17 seconds. Right? Just to be specific, right? Uh, the rest is not necessary. So from 1 minute 5 seconds to 6 minutes 17 seconds. And let's look at the Roman armor. The basic dress of this legionary is the same as that of almost every Roman, a tunic and sandals. A tunic is a long woolen shirt, girded around the middle with a leather belt or strap. For underwear, he may use a loincloth and a linen tunic. His military sandals, called caligae, have been cut from a single piece of leather. The thick sole has hobnails. This prevents the sandals from wearing down, and it gives him a firm grip on slippery soil. In addition, he wears a scarf to protect his neck and shoulders from the sharp edges of his armor. During the cold winter months, Placidus may wear several long-sleeved tunics, trousers, and woolen socks. A warm woolen cloak will protect him against the wind and rain. Being a legionary soldier, Placidus is of course well armed, but his body is also very well protected by a helmet, armor, and a shield. His body armor, or lorica, is made of iron plates riveted to heavy leather straps on the inside of the harness, so they won't break easily during a fight. A lorica consists of four parts. The two shoulder pieces and two body pieces can be taken apart for easy maintenance and transportation. When the armor is assembled, Placidus can put it on like a jacket. The lorica is fastened with leather straps that run through the hooks at the front and back. It weighs almost 10 kilos, but because the different parts move along with the body movement and the weight is spread evenly over the upper body, he can wear it in relative comfort all day long. This type of segmented armor offers very good protection against both slashing and stabbing weapons. The military belt, which is called a kingulum, ensures the weapons remain firmly in place. The belt is made of leather and has metal plates both for decoration and reinforcement. At the front is an apron of leather straps, decorated with metal discs and pendants. On his head, Placidus wears a helmet of Gallia. It is made of iron or sometimes of a brass alloy. The helmet is designed to offer maximum protection to the soldier's head. A neck plate, ear guards, cheek pieces, and a brow band all help to defer or cushion the blow of an enemy weapon. 
The helmet is tightened with a leather strap under the chin. The shield or scutum measures about one meter high and weighs six kilograms. It is constructed of three different wooden layers glued together. The shield is covered in linen or leather and painted in bright colors. The edges are protected by metal strips, making the shield more solid. The scutum is lifted with the left hand. The iron shield boss at the front protects the soldier's hand and can be used to punch the enemy in the face. Because the shield is held by a horizontal grip, Placiders can easily maneuver it and use the shield in different ways. Its curved shape provides excellent body coverage. With its helmet, armor and shield, Placidus is well protected from head to toe. Placidus carries different weapons. During long training sessions he has learned to use them well. When confronted with an enemy army, the legionaries start their attack by throwing their pillow. This javelin has several remarkable characteristics. The iron tip has the shape of a pyramid. Not only does it inflict nasty wounds, it is also very difficult for the enemy to pull it out of his shield, leaving him no other option than to throw it away. The iron shaft of the javelin is very thin, so the spear can pass through the enemy's shield to penetrate the person behind it. After the pelum is launched at the enemy, Placidus takes out his primary weapon, the gladius, a short stabbing sword. Like every soldier, he carries the gladius on the right side to prevent the legionaries, who fight in close ranks, from hindering each other when they pull it out of the scabbard. The grip of the gladius is made of wood or bone. The scabbard consists of two thin wooden planks covered with leather. The metal decorations not only make the sword more beautiful, they make the scabbard stronger. The gladius looks small but can inflict terrible wounds. Because of its small size, Placidus can stab very quickly and precisely. In All right, so I hope you get a sense of uh, the Roman armor, right, and how it's put on. So now let us consider each piece of the Roman armor, right? And so let's go through six pieces. The first is the girdle or the belt, right? And hopefully in the video clip you have seen the girdle or the belt. The girdle or the belt is an important piece of the Roman armor. Uh, now, as you would have observed, hopefully you've seen that in the video clip, you can see that the belt was critical. The reason is because it held the sword and the breast place, uh, breastplate in place. Have you seen that? Right? So they, they put the girdle or the belt around so that it held the sword, right? And it held the breastplate uh, plates together in place. And Paul likened that, the belt, to the truth, emphasizing that it means, or the belt means the truth. Uh, so the truth that holds our righteousness and God's word, that's what it means, right? The truth holds our righteousness, which is the breastplate, and God's word, which is the sword. We'll uh, come to that later on. Now, William MacDonald, in his commentary, says this, and I'll quote it. He says this, We must be faithful in holding the truth of God's word, but it is also necessary for the truth to hold us. Right? That's an important statement is necessary for the truth to hold us. Now remember, the belt holds the word of God, which is the sword, as well as the righteousness, which is the breastplate. Now, it's no wonder that Satan increasingly mounts his attack 
on the truth even questioning the very existence of truth now does truth exist of course not say satan and you see this right this attack that comes time and time again and in this modern world this post modern world they say there's nothing called absolute truth there's nothing absolute in truth and the closest thing that the post modern world holds on to objective and absolute truth is on a set of they believe on a set of universal moral principles now explain what it means that's what the world holds on to a set of universal moral principles which means that irrespective of your race your color or your sexual orientation they say and beliefs whatever it is there are universal moral principles of respect justice equality love compassion and freedom right these are what the world says the postmodern world says as universal moral principles so based on that they say there's nothing wrong with being gay why as long as you love each other that's fine right gays should not be discriminated with regards to marriage and adopting children why because it violates the moral principle of equality have you haven't you heard that that's why it says euthanasia and abortion that's fine why because of freedom of choice it shows compassion to those who are suffering unbearable pain now we must be very careful here because in this postmodern age the adoption of universal moral principle has taken absolute precedence over scriptural truth right for example in the areas of sexuality and marriage right and you can see that the biblical truth the truths in the scriptures with these important areas especially with regards to sexuality uh, with regards to marriage are explained away by allegorical treatment of the scriptures and we see that or treated as inappropriate for today's context now satan has very very clearly substituted the biblical truth with compromises and lies right and and elevating this whole aspect of universal moral principles that the united nations and the entire world holds today so it was satan's strategy at the garden of eden and he continues to deploy the same strategy today and this is why the scripture tells or paul tells us that the belt must be put on the truth in the word of god must hold us right as much as we believe the bible has been true the truth in the scripture must uphold us and that's what the belt means and paul warns us in ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 that those who are not upheld by the truth what happens to them they're tossed to and fro flaps they flap from one end to another uh, with forms or with different forms of doctrine and that's what happens if the truth does not hold us the second piece of uh, equipment or the roman armor that we see is the breastplate now as you see in the video clip as you see the breastplate covers the soldier from the neck down to the belly and the primary function of the breastplate is to protect vital organs of the body especially the heart and that's what the breastplate is and uh, where do war the scripture says where do war comes from where do war strife evil desires come from does doesn't it originate from within from the desires of our hearts and that is why uh, the scripture tells us paul tells us we need to protect it from the attack of satan now while it is true that as christians and as believers we are imputed with righteousness of christ the moment that we come to trust him as our own savior well 
we have been imputed with Christ's righteousness, God's righteousness. However, what is in view here is practical righteousness, right? It's not the righteousness of Christ, but what is in view here, the breastplate is practical righteousness. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34, asks us to awake to righteousness. That's what Paul says. And John says is one, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, he who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. So when a believer is clothed with practical righteousness, let me tell you one thing, it's a solid defense against the attacks of Satan. Someone once told me that words are useless, right? If people attack your integrity, if people attack your reputation, words are useless. It's no defense. However, a righteous life is a defense, right? And that's what the scripture means. If a believer, if a believer lacks integrity, if a believer lacks, if their character is flawed, it's a chink in the armor where Satan's arrow can easily pierce through. Practical righteousness is of view here. The third piece of armor is the sandal. Now, whenever the gospel or the Bible speaks of sharing the gospel, it uses the illustration of feet, emphasizing the need for the gospel to be carried, the good news to be carried. Romans chapter 10 verse 15 says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good, of, of good things. Now, the gospel is to be taken to where the enemy is. That's where the gospel has to be taken, into the enemy territory, into the realm where Satan operates. Now, one thing that you can be sure is sometimes the ground conditions might be slippery, right? At times, there might be rocks that can potentially stumble you. Now, whatever the condition is, the believer must be prepared by putting on the sandals of a Roman warrior. Now, if you have seen this video clip, you would have seen that the Roman sandals were made with studs, Right? Right? It's not a, a plain sandal, but it's made with studs or nails that actually grips the ground firmly. It was suitable for all types of condition. Right? And not all, remember one thing, will accept the gospel. Not all. There will be resistance, there will be ridicule. Sometimes uh, you may tread on people's sensitivities. There will be open hostilities. What does the Bible say? To the Greeks, it is what? Foolishness. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. However, Paul says this. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's your stud. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The sandal speaks of the gospel. The shield. The shield, as you had seen, is large and oblong. It's like a small door. And the shield gives protection. Right? If you've uh, uh, seen the video clip clearly, the shield gives protection from the arrows, the spears, and against the thrust of the enemy's sword. That's what the shield does. In like manner, the Bible says that we have to use our shield as a faith, our shield of faith, in order to protect us from the fiery darts of the evil one. Now, when circumstances seem adverse, and that happens in our lives, when we undergo difficulties, trials, when all seems lost, what does the Bible say? Have faith in the Lord who is able to lift us up. He will assure us of the glory that he has promised. And certainly he would encourage us. And that's our shield. And that is why David says in Psalm chapter 3 verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. You, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory 
and the lifter of my head. And then the fourth piece of armor is the helmet. Sorry, the fifth piece is the helmet. Now, while the shield protects us from the fiery darts of the evil one, the helmet of salvation protects our minds from being clouded by doubts. That's what the helmet of salvation does. Now, one thing that we must understand that strength and stamina are very, very important in battle. However, the head is the core of the soldier's power to wage war. His thinking ability is the most important factor in battle. Right? And that's important as far as the Roman soldier is concerned. And as a Christian soldier, as someone who is a believer, we must protect our minds and our thoughts from being clouded by all sorts of things and focus our attention on our Lord. And the scripture says that the knowledge, the knowledge that we are saved, the knowledge that our salvation is assured, not only purifies our hearts, but also removes any doubts and keeps us focusing on the author and the finisher of our faith. And that's what the helmet does. And finally, the sword. Now, while all the other pieces of armor were primarily used for defense, the sword, by the way, is the only offensive weapon. It also is used for defense, but it is an offensive weapon. And just as we have seen in the video clip, the sword was used in close combat, right? You will never have a Roman sword that is over 10 feet long, right? It, it was a short, stabbing sword that was used in close combat. Now, one thing that you can be sure is that the Roman soldier never swings a sword widely, hoping that it will strike someone, right? The Roman soldier never ever does that. Rather, the Roman soldier chooses his move, his thrust at appropriate times. And that is why the sword is designed that way. And similarly, the sword is likened to the word of God, which needs to be used as a weapon against Satan. Now, remember one thing. When the Lord was tempted, right, when he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, we see that he countered Satan's uh, temptation by using the word of God appropriately, right? Not anything, but he used appropriate verses in the scripture to counter the word, uh, Satan's temptation. So the word of God here does not mean the whole scripture, but the most appropriate one that the Holy Spirit would give us for the occasion. And that is why it's important as believers that we must study or invest our time in studying the, whole, the word of God. Now, those are the six pieces of uh, Roman armor that we see. Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Would it be wise for a Roman soldier to put on, not to put on a piece of armor because he could not be bothered with it? Right? Let's imagine that. Now, just imagine if he says the sandals are very difficult to put on. You can see that, right? To strap the sandal takes a long time. The sandals are very difficult to put on, so I will go to battle without the sandal. Now, do you think the Roman soldier would survive in the heat of the battle? And this is why the Apostle Paul says in verse 13, in Ephesians chapter 6, right? The verse that Philip dealt with last week. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, right? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, if we neglect to put on one piece of armor, then we become vulnerable to Satan's attack. Right? That's what happens to us. Now, I would like to show you another video clip 
and I'm sure you would have seen this several times, it's an advertisement for maritime safety. Anyone knows that? Right? I'll show this video clip, I hope this works. Right? And let's see this. It's on, like Taiwan. Please, police! Have you seen this ad on TV several times? Now this ad to me actually spoke of a very good lesson. Now the, short, the cop there had his offensive weapon, which is the gun, right? He even had all the Starsky and Hutch moves, all the right moves and the sunglasses, and even a partner, right, to watch his back. However, what did he forget? He forgot one important piece of armor, one important thing, the protective piece that was his bulletproof, West, right? He was just carrying uh, carrying it with him, just his prote protective vest, right? So one thing that we must understand, we can, for example, put on the belt of truth and let the scripture, the truth of the scripture uphold us so we can be quite dogmatic, right, in terms of sexuality, quite dogmatic in terms of marriage, and I have known many believers who are like that, right, Do quite dogmatic in terms of abortion. We can all have all the knowledge of the word of God, so that he even puts all of us to shame. However, if he or she does not put the breastplate of practical righteousness and guard their integrity and their testimony, what happens? They become vulnerable to Satan's attack. Right? So very important that we put not few pieces of armor that we like to choose, but the whole armor of God. So, as believers, let us remember that. We live in an increasing, very evil and godless generation. So therefore, let us put on the belt and allow the truth in the word of God, in the scripture, to hold us up and not ever compromise. Let us put on the breastplate of practical righteousness to guard our testimony and our integrity. Let us wear the warrior's sandals so that we are not ashamed to carry the gospel of peace wherever it is required. And let us take the shield, having complete faith in God who is able to sustain us, encourage us, and keep us. And let us put on the helmet knowing that our salvation is assured. No doubts. We should not be clouded at all. Our salvation is assured in Christ. And let us use the word of God appropriately, using the sword, the word of God, as a weapon against Satan's temptation. The whole armor of God is important for believers. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that you have given us to remember our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that he not only came and died for us on the cross of Calvary, that as believers we have imputed to us his righteousness, 
But Father God, we thank you that through our earthly life on this earth that you have given us and equipped us, Lord, with the whole armor of God. So we pray, O oh Lord, that you will give us wisdom and understanding to use those pieces of armor uh, appropriately as and when the context demands. So Father, we thank you once again. We give you all praise. The Savior is precious in his worthy and matchless name. Amen. Amen.